Amar Reb Zera, third word on the second to last line on 11b, Yadal von Beis, Haitana Hudi Amar Kalatsule Tinuf Loika Chashif. That if it's there to prevent Kalem, uh, to prevent items, something is there to prevent your clothing from getting uh, dirty, we don't count that as intentionally having been placed there in terms of carrying. And we learn that out of another law in Hilchas Toma. Ditnan, and this last line, Yidal from Beis, HaKoyfe Karala Koiso, if you place a plate or bowl on a wall on Shabbos, uh, I'm sorry, to receive liquid. So if it's raining, you put a bowl there to protect the wall, or the, perhaps there was a hole in it. If you placed it there in order to fill up the bowl to wash out the plate, so you wanted to do the dishes in the rain, you placed a dish on top of the wall, that would lead you to a, that water would be considered intentionally gathered water, intentionally collected, and if that water were to spill now onto fruit, let's say that was there, that water would be, uh, that, that fruit would now be considered as if it had gotten wet with a liquid which now creates tuma if something tume falls or lands or touches on this fruit, which until now this fruit would have been dry and would not have been food which is completely dry is not susceptible to tuma unless it has a specific one of the seven liquids placed intentionally on the food. Now, if I put a bowl on top of a wall to gather water, I didn't place it there in order to pour water onto the fruit. So does that, and now the water spills from the bowl onto the fruit that's next to the wall. What do we say? Do we say that that's called intentional since I intentionally placed the bowl there to gather water? So you could say that I wanted that water to be gathered up in that spot, even though I didn't have any use for the water. But I, uh, Or do you say no, that that's considered like it's uh, just coming down on the fruit unintentionally. If it was there unintentionally, that again would reduce the capability of the food to be susceptible to becoming impure, to becoming tummy. That we will get to Mir Tzashem when we get to uh, more dinim dealing with Heksha Kalim and things, what makes things susceptible to regular Tuma when it comes to Tumas Eichlin. So if you say that we are going now, in accordance with the opinion of the author of this Brisa, that said if a bowl is placed there to gather water on the wall and it's there just purely to protect the wall, and, then, and that, that's considered as if the water that's gathered there is not even gathered intentionally, that could help us out in understanding why the Zav is allowed to carry this pouch on Shabbos. The Tanan, as we learned in this Mishnah, the last line of 11b, If you're placing the bowl there in the rain to, to get washed out, that would be considered intentional based on the verse in Vayikra, It's learned out of a Pasuk, that it has to be gathered there intentionally. 
im bishvil shalayilka kaisel, but says the Gemara on the top of Yud Bey Zamed Aleph, if you place the bowl there just to protect the wall, to stop the rain from landing on the wall directly, therefore the water that's gathered in that bowl and then subsequently spilled onto the paris, onto the fruit next to it, is not considered as if that's intentional, and the fruit is still not susceptible to becoming tame. So therefore, we see a Tana, we found, we actually found a Tana, we found an author who will tell you that if you place an item to protect another item, that's not considered as if you're, we don't count its uh, being there. So too on Shabbos, we wouldn't consider the pouch to be its own chashiva kli, its own chashiva garment, rather it would be just there to protect the person's clothing from getting carry, from getting tumah on it. And therefore, we wouldn't have to count that as carrying for Hilchah's Shabbos. Says the Gemara, no comparison. That cannot be your source to say that it's, a, it's a, not carrying. Me dummy, awesome, like a boy who lahani mashkin klal, kiss the kabula be ziva. Says the Gemara, in fact, there's no comparison. When I placed the bowl on top of the wall to capture the water, I wanted to protect the wall and only to do that, only to protect the wall. I don't care what happens with the rainwater, whether it spills onto fruit that's next to the wall, whether it evaporates, whether it sits in the bowl for another week, or whether I pour it out on the other side of the wall. But that's very different than this Zav. This person who's seeing emissions of Tumah, and they need to also see, it, besides the fact they don't want it to get all over them, they want to put a pouch in the, uh, uh, attached to their body that it will stop the Tumah from going everywhere, but also that uh, they, they, uh, want to see, they, they still want to see whether the Tumah came out or not. So they do want it in that pouch to see whether they had an inc- another incident of Tumah. Uh, Says the Gemara, Haleidamya, three lines down from Yud Bezamadalf, the top of Yud Bezamadalf, Haleidamya Lasefa. In fact, look at the end of the uh, Mishnah and uh, of that Mishnah. Uh, Ariba, the Bach says, Ariba Shenitna, Shenitna, Shiyarid Laf Lutaycha, Maima Nitzin Ba Nitzin Einun Bechiyutan. The continuation of that brisa that discusses the wall where you placed a, a cleat. There has another case where uh, you put a bowl, you put something to collect the water that's coming off of the roof uh, and, and it splashes. So that water, Einan Bechiyutan. The water that splashes away from this that you put to collect the rainwater that comes off the roof is uh, considered unintentional. But the water that's inside the kli, that is 100% considered as intentionally placed there, in which case the fact that you put a kli, you put a vessel, a bag, a kiss, some sort of pouch next to an area on the person's body where we expect that an tumma, an emission of tumma will come out, 
that's uh, that's that's uh, we see in the Sefer of the Mishnah by Hechsher Kalim that that's considered intentionally placed, and that would be considered carrying on Shabbos the same way whatever liquid is inside that vessel next to the where which receives water from the from the roof. We see that that's considered to be tame as well. So really, what the Gemara is trying to bring a proof is what constitutes intentional gathering of water by the case of Heksha Kalim, and apply that to our case of a man who has Toma coming out of his body, and he's trying to contain it, and also trying to see if it's coming out or not, and wears a pouch, whether that's considered a separate garment, or that pouch is considered really not like carrying, it's rather considered wearing it because it's there just to protect his clothing. And the Gemara seems to say, if you intentionally placed it there, whatever's inside the Kli should be considered like it's gathered intentionally and it would be carrying that pouch. Says the Gemara, Both answered unanimously the following answer to understand whether it's considered like you're carrying or not. A very fundamental machlekes to Hilchas Shabbos, which we're going to have a much greater depth in about two months. And rather, we'd rather resolve the dispute over here between the two brises that we had, whether it's considered carrying or not to wear this pouch on Shabbos. Is a machlek is Reb Shimon and Reb Yehuda. What do they argue? They argue about what we call malacha she'ena tzricha legufa, where you're doing a violation, but you have no interest in the benefit of the action, which is the violation of the law, and whether you're chayiv or not. And Reb Yehuda is the one that says. Uh, the, 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 uh, uh, that you're chayev, and Reb Shimon says that you're potter. And this is a fundamental machlekes to Hilchas Shabbos. Again, a malacha she'en tzricha So in this case, where he's wearing the pouch, not for the sake of carrying anything, but rather just to, uh, um, uh, he doesn't need, he's just trying to protect his clothing. He doesn't need this pouch, we said, let's say it's on the third day where he saw Tumah already for three days. So he knows already that day is not a clean day. And uh, he doesn't need the ziva, the emissions of Tumah, which come, are coming out of his body. He doesn't need that. He just needs to protect his clothing. So that's like uh, a drop of water that lands on your clothing while you're walking. So it's, it's totally unnecessary. Therefore, it's called the malacha she'en etzricha legufa. The act of carrying is not necessary for what he's trying to accomplish. And that's a machlek, is whether that would be considered carrying or not. Rabbi Shimon would be lenient. Rabbi Shimon would say that that's not called carrying because you're not interested in carrying. And Rabbi Yehuda would say that uh, that is chayev as well. So when you have... So that's how the Gemara resolves the stira between the two brises, whether this zav is considered... Caring or not. The, What's the gufa in tangible gufa? Is gufa for the person's goof? For the act. Gufa means the, 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 the act itself. The gufa, malacha she'en etzricha legufa. For what I want to accomplish, the malacha is not necessary for what I want to accomplish. 
for the sugufa is the task. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't mean a, a goof of a person. It means the 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 malach. Mean the goof of the object either. Right. I mean, Rashi explains Harav Yehuda. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll quote Rashi, maybe that'll clarify. It's, it's uh, okay, Harabi Yehuda, if you look on the right-hand margin, a little further down from where we are, Harabi Yehuda, You don't need it for what you're trying to accomplish. I guess you could call the task what you're trying to accomplish, yeah. Purpose. You don't need this uh, tumma, the, the whatever emissions um, uh, he had, a seminal mission. You don't need that uh, tumma, that you just need to, shouldn't get on your clothing. And still, Rabbi Yehuda will say that you're chayav, even though that you're not gathering uh, semen from tumma in order for any purpose, you're just the the pouch that he's wearing is just there to protect it from going on his clothing, so it's malacha that's carrying not because I need it to carry the what's inside the pouch, but rather to protect the clothing. I don't need the pouch to the carry anything. No, the issue would be well, no, the issue would be carrying the pouch if it was there to collect something, if it's there. Meaning, if you wore a jacket and the purpose of wearing the jacket was to absorb whatever or to, to that the droplets of rain that would land on your shoulders and would stay on the garment while you're walking, if the purpose of wearing that coat was not to protect you but rather to gather rain, so then that would be a malacha shetsricha lagufa. You need the carrying in order to be able to drink that water later. Here, you have zero purpose besides for protecting your clothing. Says the Gemara. Um, with that, uh, start dealing with the most intense forms of both Hilchas Tumah V'Tahira, Hechsha Kalim, and Malacha She'en Etzich Lagufa, the Gemara launches into, perhaps what we would say is a little easier to understand, concepts which are a little, um, more familiar to us. Tani Debei Rabbi Shmuel, back in the Gemara, about seven, eight lines down, Yud Beis Hamad Aleph, 12a, we were taught as follows, You're leaving your house, it's right before Friday night, and you're going to be carrying your tefillin, or wearing your tefillin, so to speak, on Shabbos. It's, you're allowed to wear your tefillin, even though you're going to be wearing them on Shabbos. My timer. Now, if you contrast that to our Mishnah back on Yud Amid Aleph, back on Yud Yud Aleph Amid Aleph, we said that you're not allowed to walk outside Erev Shabbos with things which are not, uh, which you may come to carry, like the needle, the chayat of the tailor with his needle. So why are you allowed to wear your tefillin? Since at night you usually take off your tefillin, right? Uh, why would you be allowed to? Uh, why would you allowed to be allowed to wear them? right before Shabbos, it should be just like our Mishnah. Now, the only thing you can tell me is, because I know for sure that I'm not going to come to take them off, uh, uh, I'm not going to come to forget them on, and then carry them on Shabbos. Whereas the, the tailor, or the printer, 
or the other cases mentioned in the Mishnah, we had a concern, a legitimate concern, that on Shabbos you'll come to be carrying them around. With Tefillin, there's no concern. Why not? My time out. Kivin Rabba Barabhuna, Chayib Adon Mashman Shutfilin Kosha Abisha, Kavachaim Mitzitz. Since we know that a person always checks their Tefillin at all times, they're feeling their Tefillin to make sure they're on in the right spot, and we learn that obligation or, or from the Tzitz, from the headdress, so to speak, of the Kayim Gadol. So, therefore, we're not worried that you're going to forget that you have tefillin on you, and then come to take them off on Shabbos and carry them, like the tailor who we're afraid that he'll forget that he has his needle with him because it's so normal to have his uh, tools stuck behind his ear or something. So tefillin is very different. Where do we see by tzitz? Matzitz sheim v'yelaz kara achas. The tzitz, the, the headpiece that the Kayin Gadol wore in the base of Mikdash, only had Hashem's name mentioned once. Amra taira v'yametz chaytamid. Then it says the word Tamid in the Pasik constantly. Tfilin, which has many mentions of Hashem's names. Allah has Kama Kama. Certainly, you need to constantly check your touch, your Tfilin. They used to wear Tfilin the whole day, so they were constantly making sure that they were on and in the right place. Therefore, we know that you're not going to forget that your tefillin are on you when it comes Shabbos. So if you leave your house on the way to shul, half an hour or 20 minutes before Shabbos, just like, not unlike, we said by a tradesman, that he's not allowed to walk outside anymore with his items of trade because he may come to carry it on Shabbos. With your tefillin, we're not worried. Tanya. And this is a very uh, beautiful halacha, which we keep till today. Chanan Yohimer, what's that halacha? Chanan taught us. Chayabadam l'mashmash b'bigdoyer of Shabbos and chashecha. A person should feel their pockets if they're carrying anything right before Shabbos. Rabbi Yisif Hilchas Arabsi l'Shabbos. That is a very, uh, very uh, great uh, halacha indeed. Now, um, that's uh, when he says it's a very great thing, it's not a profound chiddush, it's a pretty obvious idea. You check your pockets in case you're carrying on Shabbos, but uh, the accomplishment that's what Rashi explains the accomplishment is great that you could end up easily finding if you get into the habit of always checking your pockets before Shabbos, you will easily prevent yourself from carrying on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, La Yipla is Caleb. One of the restrictions we mentioned in the Mishnah was not to read to the light of, uh, not to not to read by the candlelight where you may adjust it. And immediately before that, the Mishnah says, La Yipla is Caleb. Do not check your garments for lice. Do not uh, do that right before Shabbos. Now. The Gemara has the following Shiloh. We welcome all animal lovers to join us at this point. Uh, do not check your garment for lice right before Shabbos by day. Maybe you'll come to kill one of these little bugs, one of these little creatures crawling up your clothing. 
Uh, and this ta- this Mishnah is going in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. The Tanya am Rabbi Eliezer, and Rabbi Eliezer is the one who taught us in a brisa. If you kill a lice on Shabbos, the same way you're not allowed to shech, you're not allowed to take away life from a camel or any mammal, any animal. Rabbi Eliezer says it doesn't matter whether it's a tiny bug. Or whether it's a large animal, it's all the same. Uh, it's all the same iser. It's all the same prohibition of taking away life on Shabbos. And then you will understand that the Mishnah, which has two, these two isurim. Number one, don't check your clothing for lice. Maybe you'll come to kill it, which Rabbi Yezer says you're not allowed to kill lice on Shabbos the same way. Uh, the same way you're not allowed to kill a large animal, you're not allowed to do shechita on Shabbos, and you should not read by a candlelight, for because maybe you'll come to adjust the oil, you'll have to adjust the flame in order to make it better for reading, and you won't realize, while you're deeply engrossed in a book, you won't realize that you're coming to create a fire on Shabbos, or make the fire bigger. Or do we say those two lines in the Mishnah, the two cases are actually for the same reason. Don't check your garment for lice right before Shabbos, because maybe you'll do it on Shabbos, and you'll end up needing, or don't do it on Shabbos, because you'll, you'll end up needing light to see if there's a louse on your garment. And therefore, it's the same as reading the, the light of the candle, which we said the chazan shouldn't do, because maybe it'll come to adjust it. So we have a question in just understanding our Mishnah on Yud Aleph, Amad Aleph, on 11a, that we mentioned almost in one breath two separate halachas. Number one, don't check your garment for lice. Number two, don't read to the light of the candle. Are those one and the same reason for both prohibitions? Or are we saying two separate isurim entirely? One is because you might come... According to this, both of them would only be uh, usher at night. Ah, so during the day, according to this, it wouldn't be usher. You could do it. I want to say, like I always do, that the fact that that's apparent in the Havamina is a chiddush because the Gemara is go, the Gemara is going to bring up that point later, but um, not in the but not in the Havamina, which means to right. say that he whoever I don't know who he's quoting from. But who? Okay. So yeah, Luchayer Rashi. That's what Moshe Feinstein. Um, he's saying it halacha lemaisa, right? Um, Rashi already mentions it. Abba biyom shapadami. Um, but really, the Gemara doesn't. Oh, Rashi, says it? Rashi says that 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 is part of the shail over here. Are we saying that it's also to check your garment by day for lice, right. or are we saying only at night? Is it, is it, and basically the, the, it's a clarification of what our question really is. We want to, we don't care so much. We want to know, is the Tana writing everything because of one reason, the same reason for both Isurim? Don't check for lice and don't, uh, and don't read to the light of a candle because both of them are for the same reason. Maybe you'll adjust the light or are they two separate Isurim entirely? The nafkamina being, the main difference being, obviously, is by day, where you don't need candlelight, are you still worried, like Rebbe Eliezer, that you hold that killing a lice 
is like killing a large animal or not. My kids, uh, they build homes. If they find a cockroach outside, they build a home for it inside. They are very makbid, like Rebeliezer, not to treat the death of a small animal any uh, greater, any less than a large animal. Yeah. Um, okay. Says the Gemara. Uh, back to the Gemara. Uh, let's bring a raya from a brisa which also talks about these areas. Yud Beis halfway down. You don't check your garments. You don't remove uh, bugs from your uh, garment, and you don't uh, and you don't read to the light of the nair. So it seems like this brisa puts those two in the same category. Says the Gemara, that's not a proof to anything. That's the same, we have the same similar confusion, confusing language in our Mishnah as well. The fact that it pieces them together does not tell me conclusively that we're not going in the opinion about, cited above of Rebbe Eliezer, that there are two separate reasons. One is you can't, take, uh, can't check for lice, maybe you'll kill it. And the other one is you can't read because of the candlelights. You don't have enough, you don't have any better language in that brisa than our Mishnah. Tashima says the Gemara, ain't poilin la'arhaner, be ain't karin la'arhaner, elu mina lacha shamru balias chanani ben chizkir ben garon, shamamina, the chavayo shamayato shamamina. When they went up to the attic of Reb, of Reb, Chananya ben Chizkia ben Garen, they taught that you're not allowed to check for lice on a garment to the light of the candle, which would mean that if there's if you don't need candlelight, such as by day, it would be permissible. And we said that uh, you're not allowed to read to the light of a candle. So we see that they're really both with the same prohibition of we're only afraid that you'll come to... Uh, to, to to twist to bend the oil or bend the wick to increase the flame and that's why they're forbidden but at by day it would be mutter kamash malan that shmamina uh, that that is correct and by day you can check your garment for lice and we're not worried that maybe you'll kill it on Shabbos according to our Mishnah. Amar Reb Yehuda Amar Shmuel Afilu lahavchem ben bigdoi lebigdoi ishtoi this restriction that we're afraid you're going to come to adjust the light in the, of a lantern or of a candle is even to use it to check which clothing a person gets up early to go to shul shabbos morning it's still dark out and they have one closet they didn't have a master bedroom closet with two separate closets for the man and the woman of the household and uh you even to distinguish between the types of clothing in the house would be a problem to use this candle may, or lantern, maybe you'll come to adjust it. Depends where you lived. The people in uh, in in uh, the cities in Mechuza, the people lived in Mechuza, they were uh, they had such similar clothing to a woman with ornate designs and similar construction, and the sleeves would look the same. 
They weren't necessarily wearing clothing that was built differently for a man. Therefore, we're afraid you're going to need extra light from your candle in order to be able to distinguish between the two, the man's clothing and the woman's clothing. The people lived in Chaklita, Yadi, the clothing is, is different enough that you'll know the difference. And even in the men and women's clothing of an older person are similar, of a young person, the sleeves and the cut and the construction of the men's clothing are built for work, are built for a different build than for a woman, and you don't need to asser, you don't need to prohibit me using the light from the candle in the room to search through the clothing, because maybe I'll come to adjust it for more light, as it's apparent enough, the, the differences are apparent enough, and I'm not worried that I'll come to adjust it. If you're walking down the street, and you're in public, don't start checking your clothing for lice. That will not uh, get you any honor. People say, oh, that guy, he's full of lice. He's checking his clothing in the middle of the street, and he's finding lice. It doesn't mean that everybody didn't have bugs in their clothing at the time, but not everybody checked for it in public. Most people did certain things in private. Do not pick a pektuzin. What's a pektuzin? A pektuzin is... Yeah, right, so some sort of, I don't know if it means that they stuck like a stick in their mouth. They stuck, like, there's something called, it's a, there was a word no, for it. It's actually a drink. A, it's a drink. Okay, so. Uh, People would induce vomiting by drinking an emetic, either to empty stomach so they could eat further or possibly to relieve pressure caused by overeating. Yeah, I forgot what it was called. It was, it was a famous thing that the, the they say the, the Greeks Romans used to do, I forgot what it was called, um, to get them to throw up after it. What? Yeah, but they would do it, like, to be able to eat again. Um, uh, okay. Tan Rabbanon. So don't do that in public. Don't cause yourself to vomit in public. Tan Rabbanon. If you scrutinize your, your items, your clothing, your vessels for bugs, uh, so you squeeze the lice off and throw it away, but don't kill it. Nothing. So don't kill it. So it's not even a hilchas. Well, we're, we're talking. There's two. There's two isurim here that we're worried about. Number one on Shabbos, killing an animal Shabbos. And the other item is: Do you kill in general? Or is it a good thing to kill little animals? Take it off, but don't squeeze it. You're allowed to squeeze it off and throw it away. And even during the week, where you don't have to worry about the prohibition of killing animals on Shabbos, still you should be gentle and kind with the animals, the little creepy crawlers that might attach themselves to you. Rabba miktilahu, Rav Sheshes miktilahu, Rabba shadla lakani demaya. Rabba and Rabba and Rava, uh, Rabba and uh, Rabba uh, and Rishashis, they would uh, they they would uh, kill them 
even on Shabbos, Rashi says, Miktelehu Hargan Ubeshabbos. They would even kill them on Shabbos. Uh, that sounds fine by me. Rava Shadulu Lakana Damaya. And Rava wouldn't kill them. He would throw them into uh, some sort of uh, receptacle of water. So they would die, but not through his direct, direct action. Amur of Nachman Levante Ketulin, Rav Nachman taught uh, his, his, uh, his daughters that you're allowed to kill them. Vashmin and Kala de Sanvusi. Kala de Sanvusi. He said that Rav Nachman. Uh, Rav Nachman was taught that it was cow. Uh, he says, let me hear the sound of my He the sound of my comb. The sound of my comb meaning get rid of them, right? Now it's interesting that he's telling this to his daughters. You would think like girls would run away from this stuff, but uh, they weren't regular. Tanya. Rabshim ben Elazar taught us one of the machlaikasin between Bisham and Bezil was this very matter whether you're allowed to kill a machlaikas a lice on Shabbos. Another machlaikas which is of Bisham and Bezil, which Rabshim ben Elazar taught us about. That you're not allowed to make shidduchim on Shabbos. And now I teach a, your children a business on Shabbos. And you don't do nichem avelim, you don't go comfort the mourner on Shabbos. And you don't do bikachoylim on Shabbos, you don't go visit the sick. On Shabbos, Dibber Beshamay, Ubeshilo Matirin, and on all those things, it's one more example of Machlokes Beshamay and Beshilo, where Beshilo allowed you both to do Shadduchim on Shabbos and to uh, teach your child even a business, a trade, even on Shabbos, and to go visit the sick and go comfort the mourner. In fact, we have one of the Zmiris, maybe we'll get a post about it, is uh, on Shabbos that we sing. Uh, right? So we mention it in the Shabbos Mirus because we go like Beis Hillel. Tan Rabbanon Haniknas Levaker Sachoyla says the Gemara second line from the bottom. If somebody goes to visit the sick on Shabbos, Oimer Shabbos Hima Lizik Rufur Kriyvelavai. If you go during the week, you wish the person Rufur Shalema. On Shabbos, you change the language slightly. When you go visit the sick, you say, Shabbos, Himalizik. It's Shabbos. One shouldn't uh, have pain that causes one to uh, uh, cry out. And may Rufua uh, speedily come. May healing come quickly. Um, he would say slightly different words. The Rabbi Yehuda Imer Hamakem Yirachem Alecha the Alchoyle Yisrael. Rabbi Yehuda says the top of Yud Beis Amid Beis on twelve B. Rabbi Yehuda says slightly different words that Hashem uh, should have Rachmanus have mercy on you and on all the sick of Israel. Rabbi Yosi Imer Hamakem Yirachem Alecha B'Toychoyle Yisrael Shabayne Ishu B'Toychoyle Yisrael. Hashem should have 
Rachmanus on you, in the midst of the other sick of Israel, Shivna Ishu Shalayim Biknisasayim Shalom, when Shivna would go, Shivna was a person, he would go to Bimavakachayla to visit, when he would walk into the room, he would say, Peace. And uh, it's Shabbos, we shouldn't uh, be, have to cry out, and you should have a speedy refua, should recover. Hashem's mercy is great. You shall be able to rest in peace. And of course, if you're a Gabbai and you make the Mishabayrachs, you know. That you the words Shabbos Himalizik before Kriv Alava Hashtabagalov Makriv Namara Main are very familiar. Command Azla. Hada Amrab Khanina. Frek the Gemara, who is the opinion of Khanina like? Mishi Khoila Batak Basa Itsarakshia Venu Batakhoil Israel. Somebody who has a sick person in their household should daven for them in the midst of other sick people. Meaning tie their tie your prayers for their recovery to the recovery of all the sick of Israel. That's like Rabbi Yaisi. Why is that necessary? Um, I'm not sure why that's, uh, what the Chiddush is. Rashi just says the advantage of when you attach a prayer for an individual together with others Rashi says the top Rashi the left hand margin. You gain more merit by including them with other people. This way, the lens of the microscope is not just on them; it's on everybody who you're davening for. But uh, I'm not sure why that's tied in to specifically on Shabbos or in general. You don't want to single out a, a person. Says the Gemara, Vamreb Khanina, Bekushi, and we had Tiru. We find this language in a few different halachas that out of pain and uh, out of necessity, so to speak, we had to be lenient to allow mourner, comforting the mourners and visiting the sick on Shabbos. It wasn't our preference, but we did it. Out of uh, out of necessity, There's two things that come to mind. Of course, number one, the fact is that if people spend all Shabbos doing shiva visits and bikkuchaylim visits, it's not going to be much of a Shabbos menucha. It's uh, not going to be such a joyful and uplifting Shabbos if you spend all Shabbos going to do shiva visits and uh, visiting the sick. And the other thing is, then people won't come during the week either. If you, everybody will go when they're on Shabbos because people don't work on Shabbos, and that would uh, that would make it harder for the Avelim and the Chaylim to that they wouldn't have any visitors during the week. Uh, so it's really both. Nowadays, we do we yeah. do um, uh, uh, um, um, Shabbos visits and Shabbos visits and Shabbos visits and Shabbos visits and Shabbos and we and we say Shabbos and Lizik for a cry of Well, we said Bekushi Hatiru. Um, there's actually a sim in Shulchan Aruch. There's a sim in Shulchan Aruch about Nichum Avelim on Shabbos. You could do it. It's a separate lashon. You say Amar Rabba Barbachana Ki Avazlinu Basreid Rabbi Liazel Shiulei Betficha Zim Nenaim Amarkim Yif 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 
if kaidcha l'shalom v'zim nenamar rachmaniyat kirincha l'shalom. When Rav Eliezer would go and visit the sick, sometimes he would say in Hebrew, Hashem should remember you for peace, and sometimes he would say in Aramaic that Hashem should uh, remember you and uh, and uh, for peace. But uh, so he wasn't always he didn't always say it in Hebrew. Sometimes he said it in Aramaic. How did he daven in Aramaic? Says the Gemara, why did he daven in Aramaic? Why did he say in Aramaic that Hashem should bring peace to you if one had the Malachim, the heavenly angels, are the ones who come and bring the prayers and bring the in front of Hashem, they don't know Aramaic, and a person can't daven uh, for a chayl, uh, for their needs in Aramaic, as Hashem, as the malachim are tasked with bringing up the prayers to Hashem, and they don't know Aramaic. Says the Gemara, Shani de imoy. When it comes to asking from other needs, correct, you need to say it in Lashna Kaidish. But when it comes to davening for a sick person, where the Shekhinah, the heavenly divine presence, descends upon the person, upon the sick person, and joins them in their room, therefore Hashem himself is there listening, you can say it in Aramaic. The Amr of Anan, Amr Ha'av, How do we know that the Shekhinah itself comes down and supports the sick? It's mamish like I feel sometimes the daf, the, the hashkacha pratis of the daf, like uh, when there's a worldwide magefa and where it's surrounding our community. Every day we find out more people who we know are afflicted with this machla. Uh, uh, so so uh, Hashem, when a person is sick, Hashem himself comes down and... Uh, and and supports the chayla. Shnema Hashem yisadenu al erish devai. Tanya, Hashem himself is there on the bed of where somebody is uh, is sick. So therefore, you can say it in Aramaic. Tanya nami hachi hanichnas levakas a chayla. We learnt in another brayse. If you go to visit the sick, lo yeshiv, do not sit down. Lo yagabe mitiv, lo yagabe kisei. Don't sit down on the bed where the person themselves is lying and not on a chair next to the pe- person. But rather, uh, wrap yourself up and tremble from the presence because the uh, presence of Hashem is at the head of that person. As the Pasuk says, so the person goes to do bikr chaylam, they have to realize that uh, it's not so simple. The room where a chayla is, the room where a sick person is, has uh, the shechina inside that room. Where do we know that Hashem sustains the sick? So mamash, when we find people we know more and more people who are sick. We know that the Shechina is not abandoning them. They're not abandoned by Hashem. On the contrary, ultimately they're being sustained by the presence of the Shechina in the room with them. 
Says the Gemara back to our mission of Layikra La Oraner. We taught we're taught do not read to the light of the candle. Oh my rabba. Now what are we afraid of? If you have I remember growing up, we used to have these lamps. I'm sure they're long gone. These like kerosene lamps where they had a wick and they had like a wheel that you adjusted. You had a little adjuster that made it go up and down. And so there's all different types of candelabras and they had systems and they had dishes which held the oil next to the wick. And we're always afraid of uh, that on Shabbos, you're going to adjust the flame. And even though you have an existing flame, making the flame bigger will still constitute creating a fire on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, Even two stories high, even the height of two plow handles, even the ten stories high. It's one gezeira. Do not read next to that candle. So we don't care how much distance you put between you and the candle. As long as you're benefiting from that candlelight or from that fire, we're worried that you're going to come and adjust the flame on Shabbos if you read to the light of the candle. Says the Gemara, Hatrei Shaper Dami. But two people, two people together, where they'll make sure that neither one by accident uh, turns it up, that's mutter. But Tanya, the Gemara, didn't we learn the price? That even two people should not be allowed to use a candlelight on Shabbos or a flame on Shabbos. I don't want to say, I don't mean a candle as a candlelight. I mean uh, a fire because uh, we're going to discuss different types in a minute. But uh, even the two people we t- were taught can't do it. We're not, it's not going to help you remember not to touch the flames on Shabbos. It depends. If they're learning together, if they're studying together, so then they'll remind each other. If one of them reaches for the light, they'll, 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 they'll pay attention to each other. But if you have two different... If you have two people sitting and learning in a base medrash and they're learning totally different subjects, they're not paying attention to what the other person is doing, so it doesn't help the fact that there's two people there. You still can't use this light. And if it's a bonfire, if it's a big flame, so then it wouldn't uh, matter even, uh, even 10 people that are sitting there, you can't read to the light of that... Uh, of that fire. Why is a bonfire so much more stringent? So Rashi explains because a bonfire you all sit spread around, spread out around the bonfire, and you're not you can't even see what the person on the other side of the bonfire is doing, and you're not necessarily paying attention. And therefore it's not a head to the fact that there's other people there. You still may come and adjust the section of the fire that's closest to you. So if you can't read, what could you do with the light? First of all, you can still see where you're going. It's specifically reading, which you need extra light, and you can heat yourself uh, and and warm yourself up. Uh, says the Gemara. I feel as Amarava im Adam Now comes a very interesting, controversial statement. Rava said, if a person is a Adam Chashiv, if they were not worried. 
that they, they have a lot of fear of heaven and they're very careful and all meticulous in Hilchas Shabbos. So then it's mutter they could read by the light of this fire. Since, uh, so Rashi explains it's actually not to do with Yer Shemayim over here. It's uh, Adam Chashiv always has somebody else take care of his needs. Somebody who's very uh, highly regarded. It's, it won't usually during the week adjust the flame because he always has a shamus, a servant, somebody to do it for him. We're taught in the Bryce to do not read by a, by a light. Maybe you'll adjust it. I used to read all the time and I never came to a situation where I got confused and I forgot that it was Shabbos and I never adjusted. Pamachas, one time, I almost did it. I was reading and I was about to adjust the flame. And that's when I realized how great the statement of the Chacham was. Don't take a chance. Even a great person like me could end up adjusting the flame on Shabbos if you use it for reading. Rabbi Nassim, Neumer, Rabbi Nassim said when he heard the story, he actually heard that Rabbi Yishmael ben Elisha did in fact adjust the flame on Shabbos. The cut of Alpen, it was before the censors, before the Jewish book publishers censored the story. And he said, no, Rabbi Yishmael actually did the Avera. He said that he did do it. Not that he was almost did it. The cut of Alpen and he wrote in his notebook, Ani Yishmael ben Elisha Karisi v'hatesi ner b'Shabbos. I read and I adjusted the lamp on Shabbos. And when the Beis HaMikdash, when the temple is rebuilt, I will bring a fat chatas, a uh, sin offering for my chatas, for my unintentional sinning. They used to keep notebooks. Every time they did a shaygig, every time they did a, a, an avera, they would write down that, what they owe for the Beis HaMikdash. So the Gemara answered, Rabbi Abba said, that's not a contradiction to what we said, that an Adam Chashem is permitted, because Rabbi, Rabbi Yishmael ben Elisha wouldn't, uh, he was a very simple guy when it came to learning, he treated himself like everybody else, he didn't proverb like he needs to sit on the Mizrachvant, far away from everybody, he didn't have an entourage bringing him to the base Medrash, he was uh, like a very simple person when it came to learning, it made sense, he would have adjusted his own lamp, he didn't uh, have uh, people serving him, but most people who are in Adam Chashiv, they don't adjust the lamps by themselves. Tani Chada says the Gemara, second wide line down. Shamish Boydek Kaisis Vikaaris Laar Haner. If you uh, have a servant, a Shamish, somebody who's attending to your needs, and they want to check the dishes before they serve you on any dishes to make sure they're clean, they can use the candlelight. And the other Tana taught us, no, you can't. Like Kasha, says the Gemara, it depends. If it's somebody who's uh, steadily employed by you, so he cares very much about his job, he's relying on it, therefore he's going to be extra careful and he may come to adjust the flame if he uses it to examine the cups and plates. But if you have a one-time guy who you got off some gig app that came to your house to serve, he doesn't really, uh, you need him more than he needs you. He's on to the next job. He's not checking so carefully about what, uh, how clean the kalim are. He's not going to come to adjust the lamp. 
Says the Gemara, or perhaps it's we're talking about a Shamas who's constantly employed by you, and it depends on the lamp. If it's a lamp of neft, if it's uh, I think what we call um, what's that stuff called? There's a type of uh, flammable liquid that people use for lamps that it gets dirty on the outside so therefore you're not going to ever come to touch it yourself because it's so dirty from the oil or from the from the smoke or whatever it is therefore we're not worried you're going to come to adjust it on Shabbos says the Gemara so what happens if you have a clean burning lamp where people typically will touch it but you have a Shabbos who's only temporary and therefore you're not worried that he's going to really check so carefully and adjust the lamp What's the halacha? Can he use a lamp on Shabbos to check the dishes to see if they're clean? Rav said it's permitted, but we don't teach that to the masses. And if you happen to come across the Gemara on Shabbos, you'd beis, you know that the waiter is allowed to use the lamp in such a case, but we don't teach that as a public heter. Said, in fact, you do teach it as a halachic matter to everybody that it's mutter. came on Shabbos to Ravasi's house. Come Shemaya, his Shamas got up, and he checked over the dishes. So Rabbi Baraba comes to Ravasi's house with his own waiter intact, and, uh, and he comes uh, to check the dishes. Of of Ravasi, Amrulei de Bisu Hachi. The daughter of Ravasi jumped up and said, "Who's this great rabbi that you're bringing in our house? That's allowing the servant to check the dishes." So Ravasi told his daughter, even though I don't allow it, but Rabbi is doing uh, exactly like. Uh, his Rebbe, that since it's a temporary servant in my house, because the servant of Rabbi Yirmiyah would be temporary in the house of Ravasi, therefore he's allowed to check it, and I respect the fact that he's following his Rebbe. Shkayach, and have a wonderful day. Wonderful day. Okay.